You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of ADD Space. I'm your host, Aaron Rand Freeman, but actually the real actual host of the show. The CEO, CFO, lead art design, head of social media, travel czar, and lead therapist, Elise Bacon Bacon. How are you? Uh, hi. How are you? I'm alive. So I um I'm I'm in recovery. I had finals last week. And with finals last week, I had the most anxiety inducing time um ever um uh so uh uh because it's one of those where like i have to have a specific gpa or i don't get funding and how i pay for rent is entirely built is like entirely reliant on funding and i had i have never done more writing in my life uh but i did write a 14 page paper through an anxiety attack um you did an amazing job by the way um, it's yeah, funny. you held it together. Yeah, it's, uh, it... I did not hold it together. Oh, you did. You, did. <laughs> you absolutely did. Enough. Enough. I, did I make it through? Absolutely. Did I hold it together? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, Fair enough. I mean that counts. I mean that counts. That's part of the. That's part of like the wartime discipline is not just taking a grade and just throwing it into the cafeteria one day and running away screaming. Like that's part of the discipline. So you did an amazing job of not torching the computer and throwing it out into the parking lot. You did an amazing no, I just, job. I just curled up in a ball and literally screamed and then like right. kept writing. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the discipline. <laughs> you did an amazing job. I uh, I had to ground myself from like all games except for like Palia because I needed like something to like calming enough to set my like to, to um, d- distinguish like my brain on fire. Right. But like not let me get sucked in like it would with Final Fantasy 14. So I was like, I didn't log into Final Fantasy 14 except to like do FC actions. Well, uh, I'm, I'm alive. I'm conscious. I'm very tired. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you for being on the program. We also have with us, um, we have the um, founder of the Black Astronauts podcast. We have Aaron Bapp. Bapp, how are you, my friend? I uh, it's it's so many games out right now. It's like remember all those games that felt so far away during COVID? No. Nah. They're all they're all here right now, but they've been here for like two years. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if you know this. I have been drowning in video games. Yeah. For years now, and I am so overwhelmed. But I, I feel like I, I feel like this month is like hitting critical mass. Uh, th- yeah. okay. So this month for me has been like the last has been like the same level of stress I've had like, uh, this last March and the last year March. Um, I don't know if y'all remember the, like the last weeks of March where it was just like bam, 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 bam. I'm just like. I'm dying. Please yeah. send help. Yeah. We also have to chime in. It's very important. Um, the freest man 
uh, in the history of ADV space who's always here because he wants to be every time he's here. Justin, Justin, hello. Friends, enemies, listeners of this show, it is time. It is time to discuss the only thing. There's only two reasons why you bring me onto a show. One is for goofy pirate shows. The other is for giant robots, specifically Armored Core. It is time. I want to thank all of you, Dark Souls, Bloodborne players, all the money you have sunk into Dark Souls, (laughs) Demon Souls, Elden Ring. It's because of you that we're here today. You have funded Armored Core 6, and I am grateful. We have not had an Armored Core game since Obama was president. Oh, my God. The good times. (laughs) GTA 5 came out the same year as Armored Core 5. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Armored Core skipped an entire console generation and just went straight to next gen. That's how long it's been. But it looks so good. Man, listen, okay. So I don't even know how, because there's going to be a lot of, and I've already seen it. Like, I I post the meme, like, as a joke, but it's actually happened to me where, like, folks have been like, hey, Armored Core makes From Software. I know LJ likes From Software, or likes Armored Core. I like the Bloodborne series. I like Elden Ring. So would I like Armored Core? And I'm like, my sweet summer child. <laughs> I will tell you about the Armored Core. Like, so the appeal of Armored Core comes from three places. The first is giant robots. Like that's it's obvious. It's giant robots. You're building a giant robot. You build it how you want. You spec it how you want. You outfit it the way you want. And it looks like the way the what they're going for with this is they want you to have a few base models and then swap out your weapon kits so that you can outfit your core for different scenarios. So that, that level of customization is one appeal, like just customizing your giant robot. The other is the combat. Armored Core 4 Answer. Until I like until I get my hands on six, Armored Core Four Answer is one of the best feeling video games I have ever played. But how, however, there is a learning curve. Oh yeah, there there is a steep learning curve with this series. Like it, it will give you the basics. Like this is how you move. This is how you aim. This is how you shoot. I'm not going to teach you how to be good at the game. The game is going to teach you how to be functional at the game. It's up to you to learn how to get good because there's so many different, like depending on your play style, there's so many different ways to get good. It really all depends on how you want to play the game. Like if you want to build a huge tank model, your version of good is going to look way different than someone that wants to build a speedster, a light speedster sniper model, right? So the game is is just... Is it going to have two legs? Is it going to have four legs? Is it going to have treads? Like, all of that matters, man. Yeah. And, like, all of that goes into, like, how you build your mech is going to go into your play style, your personal play style. So, like, while the game will teach you how to be functional in these areas, you're going to determine what works best for you. And and 
the appeal of just being of having that freedom in gameplay like it's one thing to say okay this weapon lets you fight this way this weapon lets you fight this way it's another to say this changes your movement style entirely right like going from a bipedal model to a quadruped model will change your movement style entirely and change the way you're able to move and traverse the game going from a quadruped model to a tank tread model will change how you traverse through the game being light, being heavy, that will change how you feel, like how the game feels in your hands. The kind of weapons you use will change how the game feels in your hands. Do you want a shotgun and a sniper rifle? That is a viable option. Do you want a shield and a sword? That is also a viable option. How do you, how do you see yourself playing this game? And this is going to make a lot, like, I, there's a specific brand of Soulsborne player the metagamer, the the person that's always looking for the air quote best build, most optimal build that is going to hate this game because there is no best there's no best build, there's no most optimal build. It's literally what works best for your play style. How do you want to play? So they're going to get the, they're going to scour the reddit, scour the game FAQs for the best build, get their best build, go online and get thrashed by someone using the the angel wings from endless waltz and they're gonna be like but this is an optimal why am i getting thrashed it's like because you don't actually know how to play the game you're just following a guide someone gave like you're just following a list of parts someone gave you you didn't actually learn how to play so yeah. like no go you ahead could, you could literally just have uh treaded up all armored up one big 90 caliber uh machine gun and that could just go right like that. That could be your setup if you wanted it to be. If you wanted to do like LJ said, maybe you wanted to put a sword. Well, there maybe we get a sword in uh, the bipedal stuff. So now we got you know four guns now that we could work with. It's just I'm I'm ready to get my hands in, on something to be creative again. And I think a lot of these games that have been coming out here recently, I think that's something they all have in common is that it's giving you the opportunity to sink into them and be creative in them in a way that just doesn't come around very often. You know, and I, especially with Armor Core, I'm very much looking forward to seeing because apparently you can share your builds really easily now. Um, it's like a a code that you just have to give out. Um, so I'm really interested to see what people start coming up with uh, once the, the game is fully out. Um, just I, to, as soon as, as soon as we get off there, I'm going to play on record. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it, it's, it's the giant robots, the customization and sneakily enough, the lore. Armored Core is such a lore-rich series, but it doesn't spoon-feed you the lore. It treats the lore the way a Zelda game would, where as you explore, you'll find things out about the world. Like, it wasn't until the second or third time I played A Link to the Past that I actually understood the story and what was happening. Like, I actually understood what was happening in each village, and I actually understood why Ganon was... um, trapping the princes and crystals like the game isn't telling you these things up front you have to go explore it as you go through the dungeons and as you read things then you're that's how the lore is fed to you um for armored core four answer i'm going to go to four answers specifically 
the lore is given to you through the kinds of missions you take. And the speed running the introduction of four answer, the base premise is your five major corporations basically rule the world in an oligarch in, in an oligarchy. They have polluted the planet to the point where society could only live in the stratosphere in these colonies called uh, cradles. And they pay mercenaries to fight their corporate wars for them on the polluted surface. If this sounds like iron-blooded orphans to you, well. <laughs> the mech genre pulls from a very small pool when it wants to make political commentary. I mean, it's not like that well is ever going to run dry. So that's all happening. And like the missions you take are telling you the state of the world and telling you, hey, not everybody lives in the cradles. There are some people still trapped on the surface because guess what? Only people that can afford to live in cradles live in cradles. You still got people that are too poor to go up to, to go up that are stuck on the ground. You learn about the revolutionary faction that's trying to bring down the current establishment to open up the new the new place, the new settlement. We've destroyed Earth. We have to go to space. That's that's what the revolutionary faction wants to do. They want to go to space. You learn about the other faction that's just like, hey, I've built my own country of refugees. Leave me alone. There's so much happening and your actions affect it depending on which missions you take. And that's all wrapped in a gorgeous game that feels great to play and it gets the power fantasy right, right? Like what I mean when I say it gets the power fantasy right, you feel powerful without exploiting someone else, hmm. right? Like the first boss of Armored Core 4 Answer is the spirit of Motherwell. It is just this giant spider tank, the size of four cities. And the game just says, destroy it. It doesn't tell you any weak points. It doesn't tell you attack patterns. It just says, destroy it. And as you just run up on it, you're just shooting it and slashing it. It is pouring out enemies at you while you fight it. You're like, how the hell am I supposed to take this thing down? But you do it. And when you do it, you feel great. It's just like, yo, I did it. I took down one of these huge corporate monstrosities. I can do this. I can fight back. And then the game has what might be the most horrific moment in video games I have played or I have experienced since the ending of The Last of Us. There is a pilot in Armored Core 4 called Old King. He is not the top-ranked pilot. He's like top five or whatever. He's a minor character that you honestly skip over, but he offers you a mission. And he's like, hey, Line Arc, Orca, the corporations... They're all fighting their war. I know how to bring about real change. Come with me. And if you accept his mission, he says, we're going to attack the cradles. What's funny about this mission is you get the reverse of this mission first. You have to defend the cradles from Old King. So then as you go through New King Plus, you get his side of it, where you get to actually take down the cradles. And since you're not there to protect them this time, it's just you against these five cradles and you shoot them down. And as you shoot down each one, Old King just says, that's 20 million. That's 40 million. And as you shoot down the last one, it just says 100 million. It's like, oh my God, I'm the bad guy. And the game rewards you by having you fight the five best pilots in the game by yourself. 
you don't even get a good reward from it. Like the reward from finishing that storyline, I think you get a generator. You get something that's like not worth it in the end. <laughs> it's almost like the game said, "Yes, congratulations, you're a giant asshole." I hope you feel. I hope you're proud. I can. I. I could honestly spend an entire show talking about Armored Core, talking about Nine Ball, who's been a boss of Armored Core since Armored Core One, one of the hardest video game bosses ever made, and he shows up in every Armored Core in some way, shape, or form. Armored Core Three is about these corporations taking Nine Ball's brain and shoving it into these advanced Raven or these advanced Armored Cores so that they can to act as their enforcers like th there's a lot of deep shit going on in these games like it's, it's easy to gush about it's easy to get lost in and that's one of the many reasons why i'm excited about this series i'm I'm glad it's back i'm excited to like aaron said get to the customization get to my builds just get creative with it just see how far i can take how far i can take my build just see how far my friends go with it like it it I'm a little disappointed there's no co-op, but I'm okay with it. Like, it's not a deal breaker for, for me because we can still all share experiences. Like, the way we all tackle missions, we can all get the same mission and tackle it in a completely different way. And, like, just knowing that is going to be so dope to talk to people about this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited because, like, I haven't even looked, like, I haven't had the opportunity to, like, touch an Armored Core game since literally the PS2 era. And you know how much I love Max with all my body. So I'll be completely honest. Like, I'm not even a mech guy. Like, I'm, I like mechs, but it's armored core, right? Like, it feels, I'm a, I'm a feel person, right? Like, I like the way games feel. So I think, like, uh, Symphony of the Night, it's one of the best games ever made, feel-wise. Um, and Armor Core is up there, too. It, it's really what made me restart my FromSoft love, you know. And I just can't wait to get behind. I can't wait to get on my controller again and just do spins and threes. Just do all kinds of cool shit. That's what you can do. Yeah. Cool shit. I, yes. I really like mechs. I like cool shit. I like flight sims, which like nobody really knows that like I actually like flight sim kind of model, uh, um, kind of stuff. And guess what, Armor Core does really well. Um, I also am a huge fan of, uh, as we all know, politics and uh, war games that don't shy away from how fucked up war is. Heard you're gonna get a little bit of that in this uh this here game too, so. I mean, that's Armored Core. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's why I love the Gundam series. The Gundam's like, series is like, people are like, yeah, cool mechs. Yeah, everybody's badass. Oh, children doing war crimes. Children doing war. Even the super campy Gundam, G Gundam, has a very political, like, it, G Gundam is sneaky political. The whole point of G Gundam is we have destroyed, we have polluted the earth so badly that we all have to live in colonies off of the earth, but we'll treat the earth as a battleground for all of our countries to fight for supremacy to determine who has the right to rule our government for the next year. Yeah, so we don't go to war in space. Like, it's literally a, a mech tournament, so they don't go to war with each other in space. 
like they had been for God knows how many years. I love G Gundam, by the way. <laughs> yeah. The, the the message of G Gundam, it, it goes against war as a concept because it's, hey, we're still having your, this, the Gundam fight is your proxy war. It goes against, uh, I don't want to say it goes against, it has a very environmentalist message because one of the main baddies, Master Asia, his whole thing is we have destroyed the earth. We need to return the earth to its natural state. We need to bring nature back. It's like, oh, hey, even the silly Gundam with a literal Sailor Moon Gundam and a Gundam that turns into a windmill. It's, it's, I it's forgot about the windmill. All right, this is how cold G Gundam is. G Gundam <laughs> is so cold. There's an actual Gundam named Zulu Gundam, and yes, it looks exactly how you're picturing in your it, mind right now. Yes, it do. There is a Tequila Gundam, and yes, Tequila Gundam looks exactly how you're imagining in your mind right now, complete with a sombrero. Matter of fact, Dos, I want you to Google Tequila Gundam. Oh, I want you I, to no, 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 no. I already know what Tequila Gundam is. You forget. I, I'm an anime nerd, so being yeah, around all I, y'all Gundam fans. Oh, no, no. no, Bap, no. I know you know. I want Dos to oh, look at it. Other oh. Aaron does not. Yeah, go, go look. <laughs> I'm already looking at um Zulu Gundam, so I'm already, in, yes. I'm already going down the rabbit hole here. Uh, this. There's Zulu Gundam. There's Tequila Gundam. The Gundam from America is a football playing boxer that surfboards. Yes, it does. With a six with a six shooter. With a six shooter. I love that shit so much. I wish Americans <laughs> love themselves as much as the Japanese love Americans. We don't we took man, we took none of that inspiration. I wish wish some of us did. Jesus Christ. I love it. Yeah. Tequila. Literally like the best representation of Oh my god, he has a sombrero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no need for that Gundam to have any other eye protection. <laughs> it's like it's. Uh, one second. Also, uh, it has Aaron... a. Does it have a mustache? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes. It, fully functional. It is a fully functional mustache. Is it from Mexico? I mean, I mean, yes, well, it, it, technically. it's technically Mexico. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So I mean, it's I mean that's that at least they did that. That's good. <laughs> at least it's from Mexico. I mean, piloted by Chico Rodriguez. Hey man, it's so it's so much. It, it, we we I could have grew up so much worse. <laughs> Thank God. Oh boy, guys, guys! If you look, really looked at some of the shit we was watching back in the day here, guys, uh, folks, uh, I'm gonna be completely honest with you here. Hasn't been good. Hasn't been great here. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Is Zulu Gundam not Zulu Gundam? Hold on. Let me look. Zebra Gundam. Is that what it is? There we go. There I was about to say, Zulu Gundam looks like a regular soldier. I have. That's why I was scrolling because I was like, "I don't know, Zebra Gundam." Oh, <laughs> why is this straight out of Resident Evil Five? Like, what is this? <laughs> what game? Resident Evil Five. Like, what is this? What game? That game doesn't exist. That game uh, doesn't exist. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a. It's got like a sash and rings and. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like a spear. Why does it? 
what is that on his shoulder? Like the zebra thing on his shoulder. Like what is that? It looks like there's like two zebra, 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 zebra heads. A zebra it's, heads a zebra on head. it. it's got like, it's got like the the. Why does it have like clothing and like shawl and? Why does it because have? Because how this? would you know it's a zebra Gundam if it didn't have the zebra shawl and spear? <laughs> I'm happy that all these. <laughs> countries have access to giant robots and that's where i'm gonna that's my official statement on the matter i'm happy that we allow all of these places to have giant robots <laughs> they thought, listen they thought they were being progressive look all the countries have giant robots uh, the the canadian gundam is a lumberjack it is it's very funny <laughs> with flannel with it has, flannel it has an axe it has flannel it looks i mean it literally looks, looks like paul bunny but yeah, uh, the 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 even the Pots of G Gundam like smack you directly in the face. Um, what also gets me about Gundam fans are the Gundam fans that unironically support Char Aznable, and it's like you you know he's a terrible person and a child predator, right? Like Aww. you you understand these things, right? Well, yeah, he was did wrong. I'm like, yeah, the zombie family sucks. So does Char. <laughs> yeah, people forget that, like, politically wise, I don't think Char is wrong. Nope. He, Char, Char has every reason to behave, like, within the context of his story, he is 100% correct. 100% correct. He's also a child predator. I'd say, remove from the context of his story and just, like, you want to take those politics outside of the world of Gundam? Okay, now we have a problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I, I'm I'm super excited for Armored Core. I am super excited for this real robot renaissance. Uh, I I I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, I'll do this. Um, all right. So there are too many games. So we are just I'm. We have to be very meticulous before we get caught out there. So. We need to talk about Baldur's Gate. We need to talk about it. Has anyone played Baldur's Gate here? I'm playing Baldur's Gate right now. Um, I had I got it for my birthday from a homie. Thank you, homie. Shout out. Um, you know who you are. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've been playing it. Well, I've just. I just started playing. I had to hold, I had to put it off for a week because of finals. Um, and I have made four characters and, um, all of those characters are going to be heavily subjected to the racism that is in this game. <laughs> oh boy. I am, I am playing. A Githyanki cleric. Okay, which uh, uh, which you should explain to people. Uh, I'm not. I'm not done. Yeah, I am playing a drow bard. That's actually what I'm. Um, the playthrough I'm on right now. Um, I am playing a half orc. Um, uh, sorcerer. Um, 
I have a fun I have a fun backstory for that one. I'm not gonna lie. Because I like making backstories for my characters. And I have a um have a gift. Oh yeah, I have a uh tiefling paladin. You copying? Copying. That's mine. I had I no a idea. Paladin. I I I, I, have, I had no idea. I just wanted to make a really happy go lucky plucky palette like tiefling paladin that wanted to be like a folk hero. See, and then mine is a, a vengeance, oath of vengeance. So I just like. I yeah, just no, everybody. mine is gonna walk around oblivious of everybody being like, "What do you mean? What? What? Why are you be like? I'm just here to help." Yeah, you get those options with Paladin too. It's yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm just like I'm just here to help. I'm here to do the right thing. She, she's she's gonna be absolutely precious. They look precious too. They're fucking adorable. Um, and all of my characters are black. I will say the character creator is very nice because you you can make unambiguous black characters of all races. Um, though with the Gith Yankee, I had a really hard time trying to make one um not look like Marianne Williamson. Um, so yeah, there's it this, Boulder's Gate 3 is absolutely like if you were playing a D&D 5th edition campaign. Um, I actually think it's a pretty decent introduction to people who, ha- who don't understand how D&D works because like literally all of the combat, everything is based off of the 5th edition system and works the way that it works. Um, but it's also based off of fifth edition lore. Unfortunately. And it doesn't explain any of that lore. So it's, um, uh, for like players who are new to, to Baldur's Gate and who have never played a D&D game, who don't know any of the lore, who like just are unfamiliar with the universe itself. It's like, why are these characters being like, really terrible to be each other like everybody is racist but like it's actually worse when you know the lore yeah and um they uh consulted one of the most uh problematic D writers and uh lore c- creators for uh wizards of the coast for this game and it makes a lot of sense um because oh boy there's a lot of fantasy racism um and this game is centered so far, at least in the first act. I don't know about the rest of the game because I'm still in the first act. Uh, centered around illithids, which are um, these creatures from the astral plane. Very Cthulhu-esque, Lovecraftian lore, mind flares, tentacle face creatures. Yeah, that- tentacle faces. Tentacle faces. They turn you into te- tentacle faces. They control your. They control you with their mind and par- and mind parasites and things. Stranger uh, Things. Stranger Things, for those unfamiliar. Um, and there is, so the Gith Yankee um, are part of a race that are just called the Gith. Um, and they were enslaved by Mind Flayers mm-hmm. for a large portion of, like, their, their history. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were able to overcome, uh, they were able to uh, overcome and like become like independent and in 
and then they kind of split into two factions. There's the uh, uh, Yankee, and then there's like oh, I can't, I can never remember how to pronounce. It's like the uh, I can never figure out how to pronounce the other faction ever. Um, but the one that I'm talking about right now, like they actually uh, decided to go on like a path of revenge, you know, and you know, kill every fucking mind flayer possible. And uh, there's also some very, there's varying lore also in combination with uh, uh, Tiamat, who's, you know, an evil red dragon goddess. So there's, like, everybody treats, like, these gifts as, like, evil and savage and barbarians. And they are a very vengeful warlike society, but... Again, the, the lore is not written well. The lore is written very terribly. So, like, people respond to the characters as, especially one character, Lazel, they, re- like, respond to her very horribly. And she's just like, well, fuck you. And now her, she's also at a number 10 and could, could bring it down. However... With with the enemy in the story being Illithids, the mind flayers that like enslaved her entire people. Uh her response to the situation is a little bit different than other people's situ- response to the situation, whose people were not enslaved by mind flayers. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and isn't it uh, maybe you can clear this up for me. So the Tieflings were also slaves of the Mind Flayers. How did the Tieflings come about? I can't remember. Uh, what tieflings the have a long, complicated history, but they do not get on with Gith Yankee. Well, they don't get well, on with Illithid, Il- but I know they don't get along with the Gith at all, right? Uh, there, there have been wars. Yeah. Okay. There have been wars. Um, they get, but they will team up with the gith against the mind flares which is what was happening which was what was happening um in that intro part like mm. it was the gith and the the um the gith and the tieflings were uh chasing after the mind after the uh, mind flares um, i do i do wish wish it was written a little better but i agree with you as far as an introduction to D overall yeah it's a fairly good tabletop simulator it's a great tabletop simulator my entire issue with it so far because i'm still very early um my entire issue with it right now is that they have like all of that background lore is not there at all so like if it's a new player coming in they have no frame of reference as to why people are acting the way they are um, or why they're doing like behaving the way they are like uh, for instance like I, I'm uh, I am on this pl- car- playthrough like I'm playing as a drow bard and like in some cases they're straight up calling me fantasy nigger like I'm not even kidding um, I had I had a child come up and be like hey you're a drow I was told that you would uh, that you kidnap children and feed them to the, your spider queen and I'm like, no. 
And there's actually like two different, there's like different kinds of drow as well. So like some drow worship an actual evil spider goddess named Loth, who has an army of female priest cultists and they do sacrifices and some really horrific stuff. But then there's other drow that don't follow Loth because there's, imagine a, a race having multiple deities. Right? Weird. Am weird I right? Like, weird. But yeah, so, like, you know, there's another goddess who's actually the sister of Loth who's like, uh, we don't do that here. We're just, you know, trying to vibe. I mean, and we just, we just get the whole seeing the dark thing. I don't know about everything else. But yeah, we don't, like... we're not, we're not, we're not doing all of that. Also, fuck my sister. Like, she can go fuck herself. Um, uh, and the NPCs just don't care. You're all evil drow. So like, only- like literally the best response I had from an NPC was, huh, I haven't seen many of you up here. I wonder how many permutations of it it is, though, because I'm playing as a tiefling, right? And I'm not it's supposed to be bad. It's supposed to be bad, right? But I'm pretty deep into act one, if if not in act two. And after like the initial, so I think a lot of this bears on when you do what. Um, specifically, the Druid village is very tough for tieflings if you do not save the tiefling village first. Whatever that means, I won't go any further. It can get rough. I've noticed that after that point, it's almost as if they treat you completely different. Well, so for me, it's, because again, Drow, every first interaction I have with a person, every first interaction is a comment on me being a Drow. Well, that's because you won't get to the Underdark anytime soon, right? So like, I mean, but even when I get to the Underdark, like that's not, I don't think that's going to change. Well, like, I mean, it'll at least be more down there. Well, right? I mean, when I'm in the Underdark, people will be like, oh, hi, you know, you live here. But, like, right. I, not, like, above ground, like I said, like, in some cases, I'm, like, legit called, like, fantasy version of nigger. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's really fucked up. That should not be in this game. And it really sucks because, like, overall as a whole, like, Wizard of the Coast has been talking about moving away from that stuff. Uh, and they're supposed to have been moving away from that and like um, getting like one of the biggest changes that they made was like getting rid of like racial stats specifically. Yeah. Um, like having um, um, uh, having like being like imp, like imp, having imp based characters. So like if you were, for instance, a half orc, like you couldn't really be a wizard because your stats did not line up at all. So they kind of like they started like getting away from that. And uh, spoiler alert: all of these ra- all of these races are like based are like were created with like really horrible racist intentions, which is why the lore is bad. Well, yeah, I mean, it was made by a bunch of white guys. In well, the, like fifth, like orcs are based off of Asians and black people. Like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's pretty good pretty much been established right but the githyanki are also based off of like similar 
Oh yeah, you can see it. Yeah, you know, like just... you can like all of these characters were designed around that stuff, and they haven't really done any. And like during fourth edition, they started like roll pushing back on like that stuff and like rewriting the lore. But in fifth edition, they brought it all back. I wonder how much of this was Wizards of the Coast versus how much of this was Larian, because I look at certain things as far. No, they as... pulled the. They consulted one of the like worst writers who's responsible from this from Wizard of the Coast. That's what I'm saying. Like it because the things that are the video game portion of this specifically are fantastic. And that includes some of like the customization features that you just don't see in other games, right? So like some of and, and some of the writing, some of the answers that you get are pretty clear like they don't agree with some of this stuff. Now I'm not defending Larian at all. It's a bunch of Swedish folks have no idea what their, their values are, but it seems like the game is at odds with itself sometimes when it comes to that type of stuff. Um, which leaves me as somebody that is enjoying it in a really weird place. Cause you're right. Bacon. It just comes out of nowhere. Sometimes like, yo, why are you, what did, hello? I'm, like just a person i'm a paladin right and that racism it will hit you um and as a, as a brown person you do feel a kind of way like it's like oh huh i wonder if anybody else noticed this but me right like if i was white would i have noticed this you know what i'm saying um oh yeah i don't i don't think it's unnoticeable to be honest yeah it's i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty blatant in certain places, but I, what I mean, what I mean is, is if it would be felt the same way as if if you weren't like, if I it mean, hits me different. White people don't make that connection. They're yeah. right. that level you, of empathy. You know what? Right. That's I'm why it's sorry. that's why You're it's in right. that's why it's You're in the right. game. Like to be yeah. clear, You're if right. if white people could um, absorb it the same way, they wouldn't put it in the game like this. They wouldn't. It wouldn't be here. <laughs> so yeah, like that. That that's kind of my issue. Um, um, and it, it, it also, it, it just felt really, un- it just feels really, unne- I mean, more unnecessary than normal. Cause like I said, they've been like, as a whole, try like stating uh, that they're moving away from this kind of stuff more right. wise. And then, but like, even one of the more recent modules, like this kind of stuff has been like becoming more prevalent again. And it's 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 like it's I, I say I've been saying this a lot and this is kind of like my issue. I, this is getting off of Baldur's Gate, but this is kind of my issue with D and D five E five E. I is one of I think it's garbage, but two like it's really just three point five with some Pathfinder, um, and the the fourth edition rule sets that worked and people liked. Like that, that's it. Like it's got all the same problems as 3.5. And I fucking hate 3.5 for all of these reasons I just listed. (laughs) Hmm. Um, It's weird though, because I wonder how much Larian modified 5e, because it doesn't feel like the combat system feels completely different. Nope, combat system's exactly 5e. Wow, it feels uh, so different. The thing with 5e is that uh, there's a lo- a chunk of the rule set is brought over from 4th edition, 
And then the stuff from fourth edition that doesn't work with this new, um, with, with 5e, they like made stuff, but it's all bad. Like it's, and a lot of DMs actually hand wave a lot of the rule set from 5e. So it's not going to feel like 5e, but if you look through the the rule set of 5e, like it's, it's you, I mean, really, you're rolling dice for everything. It, it not even just the rolling dice, but like it's like how things are structured. Like I was asking questions earlier about uh, lethal damage. So mm-hmm. uh, with lethal damage, uh, turning turning non lethal damage off only operates on melee attacks. You can't exactly. do it with magic or ranged, and that's a fifth edition rule. Huh, I guess so, yeah. But a lot of DMs actually say that's bullshit and they ignore it, they hand wave it because 5th edition is garbage. So you have to like, you have to hand wave a lot of stuff to make it playable because it's so unbalanced. However, as a first time D&D player that has no idea what any of what we just said means, (laughs) like rolling dice... Like, you get to see the dice rolls, and I think that's the most important thing that is yeah. standing out to me. Yeah, yeah, I it you see about half of them. I think it, um, so if it's a passive check, you don't see it. No, you um, do, you catch no, it. You don't, you don't roll if it's a passive check. If, if you, if it's a passive check, it just says you pass or fail. Well, yeah, uh, but you still see the roll, don't you? You can no. go into the combat log and see it. You have to go into the combat log, but it's not on the screen. Um, oh you play with controller never mind yeah okay it's different it's different no i mean on the screen like it doesn't it's not like oh you roll the 19 oh no yeah you're right it'll yeah it it just says you failed an inside inside check yeah yeah yeah. but that's but i actually really like that because it's a passive ability you're not supposed to like you're not supposed to uh like think about it it it's just it's just looking at what your what your stats are and then it it's the invisible dm making the role and just being like oh you pass or fail um but on any other skill check that you have to do so like if you're having a conversation with somebody there's an option for like there'll be like several options i'll be like you can deceive somebody or you could persuade somebody or you can use um like your wisdom or like if it's like you have history knowledge on something right so you can use like the history knowledge and so you roll you get to like actually see the dice on screen to roll for that and you get to see all of the bonuses and not bonuses um that you have for that and i think it's a really great visual indicator to explain something that's really obnoxious and convoluted it's so convoluted but once you see it on screen it makes it it so much better so much sense um another thing i really like about it is uh so with the there's two different uis there's like uh there's a there's a full controller ui which is great a full mouse and keyboard ui um, though it is a bit jarring because like if you click with a mouse, it'll swap to the mouse and keyboard UI. And if you use like a button on a controller, it'll swap back to the controller UI. So like if you're a person who swaps back and forth, that's fantastic. If you are not a person who swaps back and forth, it's like, whoa, what's happening? Because they look 
very different. But I also like the fact that they look extremely different because you have different needs with controller versus uh, mouse and keyboard. But I do think that mouse and keyboard UI could be less convoluted looking um, and a little bit more simplistic. Yeah, I think the controller version, especially for new people, I really wish that they would make it more apparent that you can use a controller to a lot of folks because the it's basically a behind-the-pack third-person game. Or no, behind the back game, excuse me. Um, and people think CRPGs are from top down and you don't get a chance to like really engage with your character, but it's one-to-one stick movement. And I think that goes a long way with giving this game legs for years to come. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see what mods come out um, once, you know, it's been out for a while and controllers um, have been pre- prevalent for a while. So um, I will say there's a really cool setting in the gameplay settings called Karmic Dice, which you can turn on or off. And what Karmic, Karmic Dice uh, is, is it sets, it makes it so it avoids failures, like repeated failures and successions. So like if you're just having a shitty rolling day uh, and you just keep failing skill checks, like, it 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 prevents that while also keeping most like while keeping the results like mostly random. So you're like you're not gonna have you're not gonna have a because it feels bad when you keep failing I, all your rolls. Bacon. I want the pain. <laughs> I want the pain. Give it to I me. I don't want it. I'm fine. <laughs> I play D and D. I and I my favorite D and D campaigns are when you keep having like horrible rolling. The DM is like. I'm going to give you a break. Yeah. And that's what it feels like the karmic dice are. The DM is giving you a break. Yeah. I think the dice, again, going back just to the UI, I know we've been running on this a little bit, but like the UI, especially with the dice, specifically your bonuses, it makes what you did at the very beginning of the game make way more sense. Larian doesn't try and push all the information to you at one time. So like once you get your first dice roll, it's like, oh yeah, these are the bonuses you can get as well because you have these stats. And any other time, it would take me 30 minutes to explain to you why you need to roll this many times with this many dice this way. And in this game, it just gives you that option and and kind of just lets you go from there you know um i really do once put this way if you have a stomach for rpgs i really do think that you should invest a little bit in this and maybe if you if, like if you've been interested in D at all maybe give it a shot because uh it's surprising it's surprising how well it plays yeah the gameplay is very good although i will say and um this is like from multiple accounts like once you get into act two and later like the further you get into the game the more buggy it gets Mm -hmm. the game yeah is buggy yeah it's not perfect i will say it is buggy i had uh one of my homies had to like redo like 40 hours of stuff 40 hours yeah. What the fuck happened? 
a decision that got bugged early in the game had like more consequences than they wanted to deal with. It's that kind of game to where if you don't pick up something and at the end of the game, you forget. It was, it was, it wasn't a side quest that got bugged. It was a main quest that got bugged and it was not a happy time for them. Oh, all right. Yeah. So because, so with the nature of D and D, um, D and D is, uh, got that kind of like part of it, it, it it's got kind of that choose your own adventure feel so like there's here's the overall story right and then you you choose what you do as you go through right but every choice is going to lead to some kind of like consequence down the road it's a very elaborate choose your own text adventure game mm-hmm. so if one of your choices gets fucked up for no fault of your own. Yeah. Down the road. Like it, it sets you on a path down the road and then that's where you end up. So they, they had to go all the way back. I'll I'll give one quick um like not even spoiler but like example. Um so there are NPCs in the game. I killed the, uh, there's a special vampire guy that everybody seems to love. I, I do not I love. I am, in, I am in, in yeah. In, hey, I'm pretty indifferent. I, I, he was pretty annoying and I decided, you know what? You can't come to my camp. So I killed him. I, he turned his back on me. I smacked him in the head with a wrench and that was it. However, I did feel bad about it. Because he had told me his story and it was all sad. I immediately revived him. There was actual dialogue specifically for me hitting him in the head and then immediately reviving him. He woke up and turned to me and said, you kill me and now you wake me up. What's going on, man? And I was like, oh, you you can come to camp. You're great. You <laughs> like, it's that type of thoughtfulness in the writing. You know, like, I'm already thinking that I want to play this four-player just to see how different it's going to be because it's already so many different things that you've you've just said in the Discord, Bacon, I've never even seen, had no idea. Like, it's so much stuff that I just didn't do that way. So we have, like, completely different playthroughs right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's got totally different playthroughs. Um, which has been fun. Yeah. Um, and also there's like, cause like, again, you're going to have like different skills and different abilities. And so that means there's different ways of like solving puzzles. Um, which is fine. Uh, oh, this game is very horny. That is what I know. Oh yeah. In the character creator, by the way, you can, uh, you can uh, change. You can you can decide on what your genitals are. Um, I feel a way about there being only two different kinds of vulvas and three kinds of penises. I think it should be three and three. And honestly, what the difference is between the vulvas is does it have hair and does it not have hair? 
one of those statements where really the only response is, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, you can't even, you, you can't even like, like there's not even like different style. It's just like, is there hair or is there not hair? And there's like different size lengths and like whatnot all on the penis structure. I'm like, I just, I just picked cool. penis A. I didn't give a fuck. I was just like, whatever. I give whatever. Um, let me see. Wait, what? What? What else? There's, there's a lot. It's pretty in depth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was gonna say something else, but I forgot. My brain, full, full brain fog. Um. <laughs> My brain thought needs to be. Listen, I'm just like I'm sitting here. Uh, The game needs more vulvatic diversity. (laughs) Oh yeah, uh, the horniness of the game. So yeah, you can romance your companions. Like you have various companions, and you can romance them. Um, This game has poly romance, but but. Not everybody will do a poly romance. Yeah, I and found that out. All, sad. They also, not everybody will do a poly romance with everybody because some characters don't like each other. So they might do a poly, like the, if you're having like a poly ship, like your partners have to get along with each other. Yeah. And otherwise, like they won't allow for the poly ship to happen. I mean, ain't that the truth? Right, and I was just like, I really like the fact that they put like poly ship mechanics in it. I'm like, okay, let's go. Um, and like it, you know, of course, it's just like if if they don't like how you handle a thing, etc. Like, you know, of course, that'll affect your relationship, etc. Uh, one of my friends, um, actually, the person who got me the game, it was really funny because they had slept with a character, and then got into a relationship with the other character, another character, and then the first character got very sad about it. I mean, yeah. But wasn't, but wasn't, um, like, wasn't, like, angry about, the, the character actually likes the other character. Um, but, and then, and then the, the, the one that they had a relationship was just like, oh, no, it's fine if you go and sleep with that other person. Just, you know, make sure you come back over here. <laughs> Actually, you would you would love her, Aaron. She oh. Uh, big Aaron, other Aaron, giant Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she is a very large tiefling lady. She's the best. She is a giant tiefling lady who um, likes smacking shit around. Just thinks she's a barbarian. She is a barbarian. And uh, she's fucking hilarious. She's too hot. That's her problem right now. She's like, like, like literally. Like actually, literally, she's literally on fire. On fire. Literally on fire. Like She's like, too hot. Like um, sweet tooth like, skull, like on fire, fire, like tangible, like like devil flames on fire, like on her body. Mm-hmm. Like she sometimes she just kind of like erupts in a fire, and she's just like, "Whoops!" That's actually kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do these flames burn, or are they like visual flames? I don't know yet because no, because it might be a romance issue if she's gonna burst into flames. But if they're visual I, flames, I, and I that's I feel like they actually like probably do. But I no, they know do. Yet. Yeah. 
Because, so. like, it's literally on some fires of hell shit. And then she's like, nope. And after she's like, I'm fine. I'm good now. Oh. Uh, there's also uh, basically apparently like every but all of the companions do have like their own traumatic backstory, etc. And from my understanding, all of them get better except for one. And the one who doesn't get better, um, I'm not gonna lie, it's not surprising. Oh uh, yeah, okay. He mm. looks like he looks like the main dude in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's yeah. the most milk toast looking ass motherfucker and um is that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Not not ending well. I mean, it doesn't end badly. He just It's the same. More of the same. He's a white dude. Yeah. He's been in my party because he's useful, but as he soon as I can find somebody else, he—he—he is not on my party right now. My party is uh, Shadowheart, Asterian, and Lazel. I actually really like Lazel. I love Lazel. She was my first uh, fling, if you will. Like two days in the camp, Lazel was like, "Come on, baby." I was like, "Whoa, calm down there." It's you know, some of my first night of camp. No, let's go. Like okay, well, now, and, and now we together. So. She said it's your first night at camp, but it's my first night seeing that ass. What's up? Bring it over here. Uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, technically, <laughs> you're not wrong with that. She is very, uh, very specific and uh, knows what she wants. Oh, she doesn't mince words about nothing. She, uh, uh, she was like, "I'm gonna get this information from some from this guy," and now that guy was a little racist at her. And she's just like, bitch, you will bow down before me or I will open your guts on the floor. And we're like, Lazelle. And then he just, and he's just like, I'm not going to. And she's like, you will bow. And he's just like, no, let me go and bow. And we're just like, ma'am. Relax. <laughs> now, I'm not going to say you are wrong. She's a she's that friend that's always on 22. That you yeah. always got to calm down. She's she's at twenty, and we're like at a two, and we're just like, can you meet us at ten? Yeah, her motto is, "Well, fuck it then." That's at, her. And I mean, the scale is one to ten. We're like, can can you just meet us? Can you just meet us like down here, just a little bit? <laughs> um. So yeah, that that's uh, an all over the place discussion. Ran like overview so far of like well, 10 to I don't, hours in on well i don't game. think i don't even believe it's all over the place because that seems to be the nature of the game is to spread it out all over the place like that's that is what is the hook is it's a chaotic game expertly crafted for maximum chaos so there's no i don't think you can i think this is it i think you just described two people just had a discussion about baldur's gate three I don't think I'm any other. Dis- it is the exact same level of batshit that a DD game is. Right. And in <laughs> that way, they and that's the success of it. So it's like there's no wrong way to have this conversation because this is how the conversation is supposed to go. And I imagine if there were like devs on the call, they'd be very amused at how many different directions that conversation went. That's what they wanted. So you guys are doing it right. 
And um, last thing, I always I forgot how much space was in D and D. Like I always forget. Like oh yeah, these motherfuckers be in space all the time. <laughs> like the astral plane. Yeah, I keep like, forgetting. That's, that's where the that's where the illicits and the Gethangi come from. Yeah, so you know, like for anybody that just thought it was all fantasy, nah, it's a lot of weird shit in D and D. There's so much weird shit. You are correct. It was a, a accurate conversation about Baldur's Gate three. Right. Um, I don't know. So, because there are so many, so many games out, I'm trying. Something is not going to be able to be bought within a reasonable window, and I feel like it's going to be Baldur's Gate because it's so it. There's so much. Like I understand that you never did it before bab but there's so much richness to it i feel almost like i'm disrespecting <laughs> DD by knowing nothing about anything no it's a great entry period yeah um, no this um one of the few things like uh that makes fifth e convert okay when I talk about when I talk about the versatility of fifth edition I talk about it at in the same um way that we talk you know there's jank computer games that come out right, right. and mo modders go ham because the game is jank and there's just not enough content so the modders end up making the content mm -hmm. that's fifth edition D, &D. Hmm. so um you have this jank empty framework and because it's so empty and it's not well done and it's not well put together and it's not balanced, you have a lot of room to improve it like with homebrews. Homebrews are basically using like home homemade rule sets, homemade modules, uh, changing like official modules to like meet what you want for the game um, and what you want to get out of it for your players. And so... Boulders Gate 3 actually does quite a lot of filling in some of the gaps that are, like, really missing mm -hmm. from 5th edition. Um, uh, so, the but because of that, because it's so empty, and because it is so, like, versatile in, in its jank, it makes it new player friendly. Because you can yeah. just do whatever. Yeah. You can really it, take on the... You're your own character in your own world with your own story deal. Yeah, you can really do. You can you can really self insert, um, because of it. So it's still convoluted shit show, but because Boulder's Gate is visual, a lot of the, you're not you're not, and all of that convoluted shit show is already being dealt for you. You're not dealing with it. So it's very new player friendly. Right. Like the the thing I like, I, and, and I'm, I know we got to move on, but the, the thing about the insight thing that you talked about earlier about rolling for insight and rolling for like constitution and shit like that, all being in the background and all you see is failed, passed, failed, passed. It makes people understand like, oh yeah, this is what you will be doing if you were sitting at a table. Yeah, it, it's literally it's literally when your DM goes, "What's your passive insight?" and you go sixteen, and he goes, "Okay," and that's it. And you're like, "What happened?" And he's just like, "Nothing. You don't see anything." Or 
if you do succeed, he's just like, oh, look, you found like five traps. <laughs> you you pass your perception check. You pa your passive perception has let you see that this room is filled with traps. Filled. There's like 10 traps in here. I think you were watching me play last night when I'm like, there are 18 traps in this chapel. <laughs> Why are I kept turning around and there were more traps? I was like, I have never in all of my anything in DD, in playing Boulder's Gate games, I have never seen a room with more traps. What the fuck is happening? Like, I turn around and have been like, perception check, pass. You find another trap. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Oh, God damn! But this so is many. this is this is a forever game. Like this is one of those games that you, it's infinite. Like because each one of the origin origin characters has their own story too. So like if you want to play as the Tieflin, or if you want to play as Lazel, those are all their own separate stories on top of what you can do yourself. So, yeah, don't rush. You got time. <laughs> you got time. We used to have a D&D &D show on Unreasonable Fridays, like, as a whole. I and would love to do four-player co-op with y'all. It would be great. Uh, that, gonna... that would be a good show. Just, just logistics we could... Anyways, not pitching new work. Just saying the concept I'm pitching of... new work. We okay. need more content, motherfucker. All right, fine. New work is <laughs> being pitched. There's one show right now. Okay, new work is being pitched. Jesus. A Baldur's Gate uh, stream, and then we record the audio and then throw that up. That is a possible show that would be very enjoyable because all because the way Baldur's Gate co-op works is the four players in the game can all go about their own adventures and do their own thing while like within the con within the, the confines of the game like just because we're all in the game together doesn't mean i have to adventure with you i can go off and do my own thing you know i don't know how that game handles decisions in a co-op campaign so uh, so i mean technically you so the way even though we're four adventures like we don't really want to split up too much because combat that's how you get your ass kicked. That's how you get your <laughs> ass kicked. Okay, so, so it's not like Pokemon where we can all explore the world at our oh, own pace. Oh, I oh, mean, you, you can. can. <laughs> well, I, I would suggest at least going in pairs. <laughs> you, like, you can. Not recommended. <laughs> and yeah, I believe when it comes to decisions, it's like whoever initiates the conversation, but I haven't been in a co-op. So it's whoever yeah. initiates the conversation, they go by those stats, and then they you can add whatever group bonuses are available from the, the group. So like if I got plus insight or plus decks, I can add that on. And then you can view that person's cutscene by clicking on a, like a little face button, and it'll let you okay. see, see what but choices there, they make. There's no way for the party to disagree on a decision. Oh yeah, you can disagree. I mean, but it's it's all up to that person. Yeah, but I'd say rephrase. There's no way for the party to make two separate decisions. No, no, yeah. not about to say. And not that, about to say. And, and and that makes sense because even in a D and D campaign, it, it it while it is possible to do that, it is hell on earth for the DM managing all of that. So, 
And like I was explaining to somebody, like D and D is more of a cooperative game. The second you start going into the uncooperative, uh, it becomes not fun for most people. Now, it will be parts where like me and Bacon might be in combat and you on the other side of town. So with you being out of combat and you say like you're a wizard, you can shoot your grease or whatever spell you want to use and not be in combat. So you can do it as much as you want until you get close to us. So you like could be pickpocketing somebody while we're having a conversation with them. Like that's what you could use that type of stuff for, which is really cool. Um, will it have crossplay? Hmm. I don't um, know. No, it will not. I, I looked into this. It will not have cross play. It will have cross saves through the Larian account system, but it will not have cross play. Ah, okay. So then I, I wonder. I wonder if when Xbox launches next year, if they they go. I ahead feel and like that might be like a, that might be something that they might be able to. I have, work. I have PC Xbox cross play because of kind of yeah. The same have PC Xbox cross play or um whatever because like it's kind of like like with the cross saving like it's all server based right okay like every like my there was an internet outage in my area yesterday and i lost two hours of game because i don't understand wasn't it saved locally like that doesn't no no that's you f5 everything so the, when all you, of the saves are cloud saves. I know, but doesn't no. But. It it saves at um certain moments, but they are like large. Oh, moments. I see. So it's like but, big, all the big meteor moments, and then it doesn't yeah. save for the previous. Like it's every okay for it doesn't. There's save. like there's like twelve. There's like twenty. You can have like you can actually have as many auto save files as you want. Right. But those auto saves are also cloud. Oh, that's peculiar. Um, but okay, I didn't. It is. It. it is completely. It is an always online game. Right, but even the. That's interesting. It is an always online game. With how much this game rolls, though, I understand why. I it makes don't. sense. There should be it a local sense. backup. Yeah, there, there, there. Because that was some bullshit. I was, yeah. I'm because I missed my internet. I, I missed the fact that there was an internet outage. I had right. no idea. It should, it should, and that's it should have a local save or immediately alert you on the screen very tangibly that you're yes. about to be taken off the game because we can't save your game and there's no internet, so you're off the game or having a local save. But to then remove your ability to have saves quietly, you know, I mean, but- I couldn't, I could, and because I was disconnected, I couldn't save or load. Right. Right, that's what I mean. That's like that's a strange one. I'm not saying I'm not saying uh I understand why game the saves are in the cloud like I get it, but there needs to be some balance so either an, a, a direct alert about your internet situation or um offline saves. Just even like big ones. It's like Yeah, you disconnected. There was no alert. I had no idea. Right. Oh wow. Right. Um well, the Baldur's Gate is idea. Also, some folks have been sniffing around about doing a proper D and D campaign. Anyway, like the old show. Um, so, like I said, we are there's something brewing one way or the other between Baldur's Gate and like actual D and D. So we're gonna we're gonna ride this wave 
right now. And also because people have been asking, like about five or six people have asked about that pod, that old podcast. It's very peculiar. So you know what? I don't know if Baldur's Gate has given niggas the itch. Either way. I think in general the itch is, is just here. You know what something I realize is... But we uh, need a DM, and I don't DM. Uh, Eric's and gonna, I do not DM. A- Eric is going to do it. Um, oh, I love oh, Perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's, that's one of the reasons why I was like literally why I never even said it out loud. Because I'm like, no one wants to DM. And I have no idea how to do it. Um, and Erica was like... Understood. Erica was like, um, sure, uh, I got you. Um so yeah i mean that's that's what we're looking at so it might be a possibility also i was was saying is um i think folks like the adventure i realized this when i was playing remnant 2 with some people i was playing destiny with and i realized the hook in that game is very much the loot not the grind and i think uh, i think a growing number of folks are tired of the grind and would like and would like the adventure and I think I'm seeing it around me more where folks just want to go on adventures and they don't necessarily, because they happen to like Diablo. Like Diablo's grind is so immense that it turns yeah. some folks off and the folks who remain pretty much turned it into like accounting <laughs> until yeah. they didn't want to do it. So it's like the, um, and it's like, and the grindy games, what they do is they exist. People grind the game and then something happens and they lose their nerve and like turn all the way on it. Like they go from really being about this grindy game until they are no longer about it. And I think it's less about those games. Cause I was listening to like the destiny guys, destiny community freaking out about destiny. And then Diablo came out and all the destiny people were like, see, this is what you should do, Bungie. You should do this. And about Diablo four. And now two months after Diablo, everyone's Diablo four sucks. This is this season model, exactly. having everybody run their shit back. And I'm like, I think you're all tired of grinding. And I see the people who have been like enthralled by like Remnant, which is either a Souls-like if you want to turn the difficulty up, or it's just got the best loot discovery for a smaller game in years where secrets have secrets that have secrets inside them that translate to other secrets. If you want to use that item for something or you can keep it and have an item or use it again to access more secrets. And that system of just continuous discovery over grinding has like sparked so much joy from people who yeah. I didn't haven't hadn't seen it from in a long time. And I think like between Baldur's Gate and Remnant and just general uptick in like an interest in D&D, I think the adventure is what we're into. And I'm just saying that out loud so that if you're listening, just kick that one around. That how you feel like you might just be in the mood for adventure. Like if you're one of those people that think you're in like a gaming rut, you might just need some whole adventure. Just a suggestion. This is something I've observed. It's part Remnant of, is very good about that. Right. And it and the and the hook and like it and that kind of thing where like a lot of games are trying to streamline their grind because people just are turning on having to grind at all. Like Diablo 4 came in long grind, full brain chemistry manipulation out there stirring that shit around but after a few months people are like i just they just like full-on revolt i don't want to do this and why, why am i not getting stronger right <laughs> it's like and it's like 
there's minimal power fantasy in that game, but I also think it's the I think people just don't I think they're getting getting a little tired of it. And those games were kind of very popular like when the pandemic first hit, a lot of those grinding games were getting chewed up. And I think we're like and we're in a, like we're in like the end of a cycle. And I'm interested to see how um some of the games that come out, that big glut of games in October are received. I wanna see I wanna get more data, but I do have a sneaking suspicion. We are tired of grinding. Oh, more tired than we're willing to admit, which is why I'm just saying it on the air as a suggestion to anyone listening. And if you're already tired of grinding and you already know, then all right, more power than you're already there. God bless you. And, I mean, uh, the Destiny developers rec- recognize that. That's why this this latest uh, uh, showcase, they basically said in the beginning, oh, yeah, uh, we're just going to do a story mode at first. You have to do it. That's essentially what they said. Right. Because we know you're tired of grinding. Here's this story mode that we've been promising for like four years. It's here. Right. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah. They're making it so uh, anyone can play with anyone at any light level. And your actual light level, or I guess it's going to be your game level. They haven't specified, but I think they're just going to have an overall score based on experience. I don't think they're going to have you necessarily um grinding individual pieces of armor i think there's going to be an overall gear score that gets pushed up through a variety of ways i guess and um they're making it so that you don't every other people don't have to grind if they don't want to um, yeah like i can i can come in and you could be 200 right and be good for right. everybody yeah and it, i i appreciate um i think bungie's getting ahead of that like they've already begun the process that's why um, per season, you're no longer pushing your light level up past the pinnacle cap, which like uh, it used to go up ten every. It used to go up. No, first they made you do all fifty, all and 50. then they started making yeah. you do ten, and now they start man they don't have you doing any. And the light level that you get after the um uh, after the, once you get to the max light level at the and the comet DLC, then that's what you have for a year until the next one. So I think Bungie's seeing it, and I just think it's kind of a. It's kind of a growing disdain for, and it's right. I mean, like I said before, you get tired of it. Um, So I, again, it's just a suggestion. Um, Yeah, if you like adventure, uh, maybe you might even want to just try Remnant too. Full stop. Um, That game has the, that game has so many secrets in it that you will have to consult the internet and still be wowed by the amount of secrets that you have access to. Even if you have the internet open, if you guys, even if you're a 50 tab warrior, you will still be delighted by the amount of secrets and lore that you uncover if you make that, that type of game. And I think that's more of what people want. Yeah. So I, I found out a secret about the tree that grows in your thing after you get that certain item. Yeah. Uh, I found out that you can age those fruit. fruit yeah. yeah you, and you, it becomes a different item. Yeah. If you uh, eat three, I forgot what they're called, like Thane fruit or something like that. I forget what they're called. But yeah, if you eat, if you eat, one at each three stages you get a perfect one and that becomes an actual relic that you can actually use as an item that's ridiculous so a bacon there is a um there is a seed you get from one place and you can plant it in your garden at your home base and if you wait i think it's like a week like a full week cycle in real time and every two days it grows and you eat it and then you eat another set and you and you eat another fruit two days later and you eat another fruit two days later and then the last after a full week, then you'll notice that it's a fruit that's like solid and you actually don't need to eat it as you reap the benefits from just holding it next to you. 
and that becomes an item that you can wear. And that's the type of game it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, but you can also use that fruit for something totally different. Oh, yeah, you know, you could throw that fruit inside of so there's also a um a uh a fae god of um dreams became the um the god of nightmares when she realized that she could devour the fear and um, horror that she generates from giving people terrible dreams. She can actually eat that. Um, and then she became, she turned heel, but she has these webs that allow her to pass between dimensions. So you can actually throw things in there and get different things out of there. So all out of the items that you would collect that you wouldn't be able to sit on and just have, um, you can throw them in to get other items if you want. Is that type of game. And, or you could just play it regularly. Oh, you can play it. No, you can, or you can not know anything. Right. There are some reviews. My favorite bit are the reviews that are like, yeah, I completed the game in 10 hours. You know, I think it's a pretty basic game. I didn't really get the hubbub. You know, it's kind of a basic shooter, but, you know, it's very serviceable. You know, 7 out of 10, you know, if you're into this type of thing. And then there are the people who um, put the three, 400 hours on it and have found hundreds of hidden, hundreds, no exaggeration, hundreds of hidden items across multiple variants and playthroughs. And it those reviews age, and I'm not knocking those people because you are on the clock, and the game does appear to have very little in it, um, until something happens to you. So, and you'll be playing, and this is how it goes. Um, there's one place you can play, and if you keep going near these large sewer grates, there are items near them. <laughs> yes. And then yes. one time you might get pulled into the sewer by a giant rat. And that's a whole different area of the game that you will not have access to unless you get pulled into the sewers by a giant rat. There's a whole hidden subclass, and that be, there's a hidden subclass, hidden weapon, and hidden armor, and it gets the ball rolling. That this it, this thing that I did not need to experience happened to me and gave me a whole extra subclass, which means how many more subclasses are there? Because there are several, several hidden ones, including I'm one. I'm sorry, what is this? This remnant two. <laughs> Okay. Remnant two. Okay. The most secret, the, the the most secret filled game. Um, I've played all year. I don't know about you, Bing, because you played a handful of games, but this is definitely like I could go on for a whole episode just re- just recalling the different circumstances that would that got that get your brain going, and then you think you figured something out, and there's more to it, and there's more to that. Um, there is last thing I'll bring up. There's a boss, there's an evil boss that gives you the option of killing its counterpart. It's good counterpart. The two kings, or, yes. No, no, not the two kings, um, the Ravager and the Doe. Oh, the Ravager right. and the Doe. And if you okay. kill the Doe and just go along with the Ravager, the Ravager gives you a, um, a seal, its own seal. And now there are statues all over the area of the wolf fighting the deer there are three or four of them it's just like these ornate statues now if you have the ravager symbol you walk up to those statues the wolf eats the deer in the in the statue and then the bottom opens up and you get hidden items and there's one item called the fruit of death where you eat it and you die and then you eat it and then you die again and if you eat it a third time then you get an item from it you literally you wake up again with an item stuck to you from eating the fruit that seems to just kill you three times after making a deal with the villain of the world, like the world boss, killing its counterpart, which they tell you is very good and very helpful, (laughs) and then finding a statue of the wolf and the doe having their eternal struggle. That's the type of game it is. 
And I think we want more games like that, like Baldur's Gate, where you have 45,000 possibilities walking in a straight line. And I, I, I don't know. I'm just mar- I'm marking a change. If you're listening to the show, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's UN Fridays. Um, um, you can find Bacon B4. Is it? Is it uh, yeah, it's still B4Z0. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not re- I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I'm like kind of on Twitter. Listen, Twitter is here's dying. the deal. Here's the deal. We have to ride it out until the dragon absolutely <laughs> hits the ground because we can't settle on a place yet. We haven't settled I, our migration as a community. We haven't settled. I know, but Twitter is like almost useless to uh, me. I'm not even getting DMs. And listen, we have again. We all agree. We all agree. But I this mean, is we could just open the email. We have emails. Oh yeah, we do have emails. Um, you can I'm email. Still waiting on the Negro Coalition to tell me where to go. Well, we have. Um, I mean, well, okay. So there's a lot of different options, and like one of them. So like we have, we even have like two black made ones. Um, like there's Spill and Crucible. Uh, Crucible was made by not Crucible. I my brain. Um, um, spoutable, spoutable. Right. Whatever. Spill. No. Okay. There's there spill is the other one. Okay. Excuse me. Like no, really. I'm having a I'm having like a, a severe. Um, oh yeah, that's fine. You you like a severe, severe brain moment. Oh, I understand. It is spoutable. All right. A little whale icon. Uh, the creator of that one is a former um, person who used to work at Twitter, right? And is black, right? Um, and the the tweets are spouts, <laughs> and so that is one of them. <laughs> um, I thought it's actually very cute. Um, it's not really taking off, but like it's there. The other one is spill, but spill is iOS only. Yes. Not Android only. It's just iOS. Yes. But they are working on a browser version. But until they come out with that browser version, I will not be there because I do not. I am not part of the Apple ecosystem by any stretch of means. And I will never be. <laughs> well. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. Not. It is garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. it's great for people who are in it. It's great for people who have been on it for a while or who want just that that kind of like simplicity not knocking any of you you will all make great decisions i mean i mean i i got my ios does not work for any of my work methods at all whatsoever yeah i have very specific systems all set up for all of my stuff and ios does not let me do that I like the way you sprinkled that simplicity on there, though. Sprinkle, it sprinkle, is. Sprinkle, I mean, sprinkle, I'm not. Sprinkle. Listen, I'm not. I don't. I don't think it. it's a bad thing. Yeah, I don't knock it. Like I'm not Simple's gonna lie. It's really good. Like that's literally yeah. why. That's literally why I like it is because I've spent so much, so much of my time underneath a computer and in various terminal fucking situations on Windows. Getting, that I don't want get to a do. Com- getting a computer, opening it up, having it have everything you need right there, right. and it matches. All of your systems is great. Right. I like setting mine up so it does that because I have very specific work like right. work methods. Right. And iOS does not work with any of my work methods. Oh yeah, no, that's why I didn't that's why I didn't say anything. Like I'm just laughing because it's true. Yeah. If it, it if an iOS doesn't work for you, it's so simple but so rigid that it will never work for you. 
and, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like it's just that simple. That's so it. that's it. it. It's just my mom had the same problem. My mom had tried moving to the Apple ecosystem and then was just like, I can't do the thing I want to do. Right. So and that's and that's more annoying than literally anything. That is mm-hmm. the most annoying thing. So yeah, I, I was I was just trying to set up for a joke. Oh, sorry. I'm, well, we we I mean, know that Bacon here is the notorious joke killer. Well, no, it, well, it's no, like it's no. not even that. It's just that there is like it there, was a ba- there's serious like discourse about yeah, iOS I, versus I, Android. I for, so it's like that. there's so much serious discourse about it that it's hard to make a joke because people don't let you make jokes about it because they're serious, and even the people who are joking are still a little serious. And it's oh, very, yeah. it's very, it's a, it's a minefield. The iOS Android discussion, the uh, iOS Windows discussion, is a minefield. So I, we apologize wholly for um, rolling over your joke with a zamboni. We're sorry. <laughs> it's all good. We're sorry. I was just like, uh, I, I, I didn't mean any of it. Oh yeah, no. It, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people do. That's what it's like. It's you're making a joke oh, about. Yeah, you're making no. a joke that's not really a joke as much as it should be. I mean, it should be consistently a joke because we're talking about um. Uh, iOS and Android and uh, Apple and Windows. It should be a consistent stream of jokes, but uh, it isn't. But um, let's see. Um, what? Oh, Jesus Christ! We have a lot of time. Um, I feel like we're gonna need to come back once people have played Armored Core and talk about. Yeah, Armored we Core. can't talk about that right. For so a we're bit. so we're gonna need a return. So we can talk about proper armored core. Um, we're also going to have to talk about planning out the game purchases from September to October um, oh, because there's just a lot of a lot of games. And funny enough, um, I get a break because a lot of the games that are coming out in that big chunk of time from September to October, I don't care <laughs> for one. It's a time of year where they stop bringing out all the indie games and those. Uh, so. I realize this now, and I didn't piece it together, is that the classroom shooters, classic 2D top-down shooters, or vertical side-scrolling, whichever, the word is shmups, but I hate that fucking word. I hate it's it. It's such it's a so horrible, horrible word. It hits the air like a, like an empty soda can. I really hate it. And um, But those games come out all summer. So when you think that there are no games out in the summer, there are actually several $30 to $40 classic shooter pr- purchases looming. And so I've been buying games all summer. <laughs> and now in the fall, I think I only want one or two of these games. And a chunk of them are on Game Pass. <laughs> so Good old I, Game Pass. Right. I think I just want, just looking right now, I think I want just Spider-Man and Alan Wake. Alan Wake said, whoa, hold on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alan Wake did the mature thing. Right. That's mature. Alan Wake. I am, I have, I am, I am. I've never been an Alan Wake fan, and I am the biggest Alan Wake fan now. As you should be. Um, you get to play as that black lady entirely. Also, the devs were um, mature enough to be like, "This the corner is too hot. We will push our game back by 10 days to make sure it's out before Halloween. But not like within a week of um, Forza, Spider-Man, Assassin's Creed, <laughs> Lord of the Falling, Detective Pikachu, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers. Uh, Here's a Super Mario Brothers game coming this year, right? <laughs> so this is like there are, and within 14 days there are about six or seven major games game releases. Um, so um, Alan Wake they they pulled it back 10 days. 
what I'm interested in, and this is um, a bit of an aside, Alone in the Dark, that reboot is still on schedule. And that's bold. I play the demo. That's a weird game. <laughs> that's a bold. I mean, I, I think, and I could be wrong, they know what they're getting into because it is a weird game. I mean, Alan Wake is coming right up behind it as the weirdest game from the weirdest people. <laughs> so it's 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 like even the um what Alone in the Dark is trying to do specifically being a, a survival horror game. Alan Wake is like looming in that space and it's one of those rare survival horror games that might sell a million copies because of how popular it is. So right, but wait, so like what I'm saying is is that Alone in the Dark fits the specific niche of weird i mean it is very strange and i think they i think the market that they're going towards is not they're they're just not going to be affected the same way i mean i listen more power to them more power to them like i said we'll black friday we will be lurking um i love me some survival horror uh we shall see how it goes but yes alan wake uh, push back 10 days i just like the practice like i i almost want to have a weekly report on games that get pushed back there's like an indie game called replacements it's like it's supposed to be a game pass game that got pushed back next year it just made me happy no one knows no one really cares about their placement like if you look at it it looks cool we haven't been talking about it all year i've kind of been paying attention to it because it's a game pass game but nothing makes me happier than hearing a game got delayed and i don't have to buy it or think about buying it for weeks at a time, months even. Twenty twenty four, great. There's so many games that snuck out on Game Pass this year. It's ridiculous, right? Well, Cassette Beats came out last year. This yes. year, Cassette Beats. That is the, the a better game. Pokemon. Better. I don't know. I haven't played Pokemon. I'm, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 better. Ooh. It has more. It has it has more systems. Ooh. Yes, it's strong. Listen, I'll defer. I I have played, I haven't played a Pokemon game in years. So and also um, cassette beasts. Once you get to like being able to combine the two cassettes and then being able to upgrade, it changes the game. So, but yeah. Oh yeah, that reminds me. Sea of Stars is coming out next week. Sea of Stars. Oh my god, Sea of Stars is coming. I think I think you. Oh know. my god! I see stars. Leave me alone. Right. Leave me alone. It's on Game Pass, so you really it could just walk in the room. Leave me alone. Right. Uh, Did Wrestle- you play that demo? That demo is strong. I don't. I'm oh, no, not. No. I'm playing no demos, but I played it and it was very good. Um, oh right. yeah, I was asking you. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very true. Uh, <laughs> WrestleQuest came out yesterday. No. Oh, didn't that get pushed back though? It got pushed back because um there was some they they found out in zero hour that there's a glitch that can remove your save entirely. So they oh, just gosh. said so they just said, nah, we're just nah. They pulled it they pulled it like literally they pulled the truck back out of the they were about to set up the food truck and then they closed it down and drove the food truck away while everyone was kind of gathering around. Well, sushi's um, bad. We, yeah, no, nah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. Sushi, one piece of sushi was bad, which means all of it's bad, which means we're shutting it down. <laughs> See you in a week. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so now that came out and, um, Blasphemous too. So I didn't like the first Blasphemous because it was one of those, I'm not a fan of those, um, uh, religion, blood sacrifice e games. Like I'm not a big fan of those. 
Um, but also because the first game played so much more like a Souls game than a Metroidvania game. But now the second one plays a, very much like a Metroidvania, and they've kind of like tightened that that bit up. So now it's like, and it's like releasing on sale because <laughs> they know they okay. know right. It was like kind of releasing at twenty five. So you a thirty dollars game, it's releasing at twenty five bucks. You know what I mean? It's, God damn it! And it is absolutely relentless, but. Like I said, we're going to have to make a plan. Maybe next one episode, we're just going to have to get everybody together and just actually forge. Not only talk about the games we intend to play, but how we intend to pay for them. So if anyone has a robbery, listen, if anyone if anyone needs to rob a bank, you want to get a team together, we can start on the show. If anyone's got an OnlyFans, anyone's got a SoundCloud, like any just just put it up there and, you know, we'll drum up support for whatever and however we need to pay for these video games. So please, I have no money (laughs) (laughs) literally i have not have a paid internship i have not been paid (laughs) i literally have no money give me the loot for those who are in the podcast server you know why this happened (laughs) struggling disabled student out here exactly to do my show job without Armored Core. Well, you know, that Patreon. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, Patreon. That's my groceries! Yeah. Patreon's literally my groceries because I'm not getting really paid! <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, please, I need fresh vegetables. Thank That's, you. Uh, Patreon.com backslash on Fridays. Um, I've got all this frozen chicken thanks to the food bank, and I have no fresh ve- vegetables because they keep sending me literally rotten fresh vegetables oh they keep sending you rotten fresh vegetables i got this is the third week in a row where it arrived with mold oh it's the heat yeah it's the heat heat, because the heat is fucking up the produce heavy yeah Yeah. but it's like i understand you know they still give stuff out etc it's got it was literally covered in oh milk. no they shouldn't give that out like um, they so, shouldn't give it was literally uh, like i picked up a tomato and the entire top of the p- tomato was white oh my um my local like you know near the stem yeah which means it's been fa- it, it's all it's fucked all the way through right exactly uh my local supermarket um removed all of its produce for two days like i we, we went in there and there was like the entire produce section you know the, the, the general l shape that is the produce section in every supermarket completely empty because something i don't know what happened i assume the heat shattered something especially when it's 115 degrees for 50 days the heat shattered something and uh yeah so i get it they should not be giving you rotten fruit though like they need to not give you anything as opposed to tell you they're giving you something and give you absolute fucking garbage. Like, they should not yeah. give you literal have, fucking garbage. It was great. I have so much frozen chicken. And I'm like, I have nothing to pair it with. Yeah, that's not cool. I have, like, a nine pack of, in like, bone-in chicken thigh, which is actually really great for making a stew. They sent me lamb. Oh, I can wow. like and, I, and potatoes. So I can make a lamb and potato stew, but like you put other things in that, like carrots, which were also <laughs> rotten. Yeah, I guess you do. I guess like you do put produce. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so, produce, please help. <laughs> if you would like bacon to eat fresh vegetables. 
I mean, that's a sorry. I mean, my stress came out. <laughs> listen, no, 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 no. That, that's real. Good. That's real. It's the, like I said, the 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 issues. This the 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 summer heat tornado that we're all living underneath is ruining the heat tornado, hurricane, and earthquake. Yes, it's ruining our produce. Like we're having problems with the shit, and like I said, it's real. Also, COVID is still a thing and has just been decimating through my communities. Bro. Like we still don't have like there. There's there's still not labor out in the fields. Um, yeah, like, we're, we're still my we're, reg- my, my regular. Every podcast episode, the supply chain is fucked. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not we're not out of a pandemic. Like, um, my understanding is like con season has um spread COVID around pretty nicely. Like melted butter, good job. Yeah, it has. And um, yeah, and we're back, and we're in this space where we're like acting like it's just a cold. Like we're in the weird denial space, which we really shouldn't be. Like the age of it being just a cold is over. I know you want it to be just a cold because COVID is a hassle, but it's you have to live in the world we live in. <laughs> and I've seen so many people who said, oh, I, I think I, oh, I just have a cold and it's just like COVID and they're just like living their life. And by the way, if you have a cold, still shut it the fuck down. Like, stop. Like, even if it's just a cold, stop. 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 That's the most thing. It's almost like the, even that statement bugs me where they're like, oh, I thought it was just a cold. And I was like, so you were still breathing up everybody's fucking nostrils, bro? I have a cold. That's it. Then you find out it was COVID. You're like, oh, it's COVID. I'm so sorry. Bro. My my kid goes back to school tomorrow. Bro. So yeah, if you, I have to, I, it might be time to put on some punching gloves. Listen, bro. Some, <laughs> some, parents, bo- if, if some they, boxing gloves. Some punching gloves. Here's the deal, bro. If they send, if they send, man, if if, if your little one reports that they got the sniffling ass baby and the parents it's, are like, that's just a cold, bro. You got to start body slamming them parents, bro. Picking dog, them up and put man. them through the tables, bro. Dog, it's so many parents that literally will just send their kid to school. Yeah, no. And, 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 I, and I'm just like, I'm not having it, dog. Especially... Now that she, I know she has like certain breathing issues, absolutely not, absolutely not. So the first sign of anything, yeah, you getting to stay home. I'm sorry, that's just how I gotta go from now on. <laughs> like you sniffle, you sneeze, you gotta stay home. So ugh. my stress came out. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is real. Okay. I- <laughs> I'm in Boulder's Gate, and this lady thinks I'd be afraid of uh, her being a worshiper of Shard. I'm like, ma'am, I'm a drow. <laughs> the other, do you not realize, do you not know who Loth is? Shar is not Loth. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> All right, everybody. I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, have a pleasant day. Peace. Go ahead, stand up.